This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thriefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finsider Radio. This is another installment of the Jake and Josh Show. I am Josh Houts, and I am joined again by my trusty co-host, Jake Mendall. Jake, how's it going today, man? How are you uh, handling this social distancing, and how you doing, man? You know, all things considered, it's it's not too bad. Uh, finally, I mean, I feel like the, the, the temperatures, what we deal with, you in Pennsylvania, me in Massachusetts, isn't too, too off. We are starting to slowly slide into spring the sun is out and you know strangely enough i've turned into a big walk guy lately i've been going on you know three four mile walks just for something to do to get out of the house and it it's been weird but at the same time you know spring's here and and if there's anything that can you know brighten your spirit a little bit it's a little vitamin d how are you doing i mean i i can fully support walking i don't know about three or four miles i know (laughs) the family and i we we put the little one in the stroller and we walk around the block and we feel like that's a success. So the fact that you go for three or four mile walks, I cannot compa- compare to that. But uh, I mean, to all of our listeners, I hope you guys are practicing the social distancing and keeping safe because ultimately, you know, if we want to talk about the Miami Dolphins, if we want to have a football season, we need to start social distancing and, you know, looking out for one another because things things are going to get worse before they get better. And that's just, it's sad to talk about, but you know, it's it's the reality of the situation and go for a walk just like jake said because that's the only thing that can you know lift our spirits and try to give us some hope in what seems like a very dark time right now yeah i mean i'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm a, I'm a science guy but all things as it's going right now you know you mentioned get worse they say the peak hopefully it will 
not get too much worse than mid-April, and then we'll finally start to see a, a decline, and hopefully June, we're starting to get into the swing of things. We feel a sense of normalness. Normalness, I don't know if that's really a word, but we're going to roll with it. Sorry, I've been stuck inside. But uh, Josh, there's one bit of news that I think is a pretty big deal, and that's, uh, of course, it comes the day after we were talking about it, but the NFL draft will be happening. Yeah, and it's exciting because we know the Dolphins have 14 draft picks, and you know, a lot of the NFL got a lot of slack for moving on with free agency and now for not postponing the draft like a lot of owners and general managers seem to want to do. And you can't really blame them because, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to sit down face to face with some of these prospects. They got important decisions to make. And now it's pretty much going to come down to, you know, what they saw at the Senior Bowl or, you know, the Shrine game or the Combine. They didn't get to go to all these pro days. So it's going to be a very interesting NFL draft this year. But with everything going on in the world, I think we can all admit that, you know, we need this and it's what we're looking forward to. Just like we did free agency, we're looking forward to the draft. After the draft, that's when it becomes a bit more hazy. But the draft's happening, and I think as as fans of football and most importantly the Miami Dolphins, we're over the moon excited because it's what we've been looking forward to ever since they made that Laramie Tunsil trade, if we're being completely honest. You're 100% right. I mean, going through last season, I remember trying to do podcasts and just – you know, especially after that week one loss to the Ravens, because, you know, I was still talking myself into, you know, they'll have some exciting things. And after that week one loss, I mean, there was just nothing to talk about. You know, we were miserable and you just kind of started looking ahead to this exact date. Um, so when you kind of put that into perspective, I know we mentioned last week, but the Dolphins did bring in a couple players for meetings before everything really shut down. And that was uh, was it was J.K. Dobbins, the running back. And was it Jordan Love, the quarterback? Yeah, it was Dobbins and Love. They rushed him in right before, you know, they closed down facilities. So, I mean, take of that what you will, but they're definitely doing their due diligence on some of these guys. So, and then you kind of got to put into perspective, you know, maybe maybe let's look at why they go with these guys. Do you think maybe they knew enough about Burrow, about Herbert, about uh, Tua, where you kind of look at a Jordan Love, like, hey, we might as well bring him in, say the draft, you know, gets spun on its head, and all of a sudden the draftings wind up with no quarterbacks left at pick five. And I know there's, like, a less than 0% chance of that happening, but in some strange world, was that, do you think that was them doing maybe that, hey, just in case, let's see if this could be the guy? Or was it more of just kind of bringing him in just, just to kind of, get another idea of a quarterback because it just seems a little weird that that's, you know, the one you're trying to rush in. Uh, there was a report they were trying to rush into as well, but, but that seemed to be about it. Yeah. And you wonder how much of this was, you know, these guys were local and they were going to come in in the next few days anyway for a draft. But I think it's more about, you know, crossing those T's and dotting those I's because the Dolphins did their due diligence on uh, Jordan Love before he was draft eligible. We know they've done extensive work on Justin Herbert, we know all the reports about Joe Burrow. We'll talk about that then. And, and Tua Tonvaloa, he's kind of been the guy for the last two years. And like you said, they tried to rush him in right before league facilities closed down. So I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, they got 14 draft picks. They're trying to make sure that they leave no stone unturned because, you know, they got uh, the Avengers in the front office is what I like to call them. You know, they got Chris Greer, Marvin Allen, Reggie McKenzie, all top-notch GMs by many accounts. Maybe not Chris Greer. Maybe he's still coming into his own. But, you know, Marvin Allen helped build the Chiefs and the Bills, and Reggie McKenzie was executive of the year with Oakland, however that ended up, you know, whatever. And then you got Brian Flores, who has a background in it. You got Dan Marino there helping you find your quarterback. So they have all these guys, and you just got to make sure that you're going after the right one. So do I think Jordan Love's a true target at number five? I, I don't. And you see the rumors, you know, maybe he is. Maybe this is the perfect smokescreen. I think it was Adam Beasley or one of the Herald reports came out a few weeks ago, and it said that, 
you know, uh, Dan Marino was happy with the way Jordan Love carried himself at the Senior Bowl. And, I mean, to hear Dan Marino say that, you know, there might be a lot of interest there. Jordan Love could have the highest ceiling of anyone in this class, but, again, it's more about that floor. And we saw last year was dreadful. The year before that was great. But I think at the end of the day, it's just them bringing in these guys, the J.K. Dobbins, you know, they need a running back. You know, which running back do they like? They need a quarterback. So they brought in Jordan Love. They tried to bring it to a Which quarterback do they like? They're just doing as much work on these guys as they can because if they get it wrong, it could set them back for years like we've seen in the past. Yeah, and that's kind of the issue I have um, when I hear, you know, ex-players who aren't necessarily the guy making the picks, you know, whether it's a Dan Marino. Um, you know, I remember hearing Deion Jordan was the next Jason Taylor, and Jason Taylor just kind of raved about Deion Jordan. I'm sure Marino was saying things about Tannehill. I'm sure he might have even said things about Rosen. So, I mean, that one, I, I, I'm a little skeptical of going in on the ex-player, um, you know, by or I, way of describing the, the player, I don't know. I kind of had a, a, a blanking there. But you mentioned Joe Burrow. Uh, Josh, I mean, you've been loving it on Twitter. I mean, you're always one. You, I don't think your notifications are ever not going off. But but what have you been seeing, reading about what Joe Burrow uh, and the Miami Dolphins could be trying to put together here? I mean, let's be honest, my mentions, and just like we see with the comments when you write an article, they're just all over the place. And Dolphin fans, you know, they feel one way one day, a report comes out, you know, it's doom and gloom, it's excitement, it's a little bit of everything. I think we can all sit here and agree that, you know, it, it all comes down to how Cincinnati feels about Joe Burrow and whether or not what the Dolphins can package together to make that trade happen is enough to ultimately prime away from his hometown team. I, I don't see it happening, but the reports that are coming out that, you know, the Dolphins are going to try to trade up for Joe Burrow. Of, of course they are. You know, he's he just came off the best collegiate season of any quarterback in the history of college football. You know, he I think he threw for, well, it, it was a ridiculous amount of touchdowns, and it went up so much from the year prior. You know, he took that next step, and he looks like a legit quarterback. I think it was Matt Miller said that he had the second highest grade of any quarterback that he's done since uh, Andrew Luck, so that's high praise. But I don't think Cincinnati's going to give up that pick. Some of the talk that's been thrown out there, three first-round picks, and I think that would have to be the starting point. Whether it's two this year, one next, you know, I don't think they'd give up all three this year, but they'd have to get real, uh, you know, they'd have to put together the perfect package and think outside the box, and I just don't think the Dolphins are willing to give up what it would take to get them out of Cincinnati. But we're going to continue to hear about this because Joe Burrow, before, you know, leading up to the different meetings, he wasn't quite going out there and saying, you know, I want to be in Cincinnati. If I get drafted by them, you know, that's going to be, you know, he, he was kind of beating around the bush. So no one really knows where his heart is, and no one knows how Cincinnati feels about the rest of the class, and no one truly knows how the Dolphins do. So, uh, I mean, it's it's all over the place, and it changes it changes each and every day. Yeah, and, you know, there was uh, – he, he liked a Bleacher Report tweet about, you know, yeah, talking to Raven about the Dolphins and, and what they were doing. And you have to wonder if Cincinnati, Cincinnati you know, things go wrong after a year or two and, and the world we're living in. I sound like such an old person saying that, but where, the, where players can kind of control their own fate, you wonder if, you know, since he isn't in the best case uh, in two years from now, is Joe Burrow already asking for out? Is this whole season gone or put to waste for Cincinnati because they couldn't put the supporting cast around Burrow because he was never completely sold on going there in the first place? You have to wonder if those are things that not only Cincy is thinking about, but Joe Burrow himself are thinking about. And then you kind of take it a step farther. I mean, it's been a weird buildup to the draft. Nobody's gotten to see any uh, the, the players, the prospects as much as they like in terms of bringing them in for workshop, in terms of 
senior days. All these things haven't been able to happen. So when you mentioned third, three first-round picks and what the Dolphins have in terms of three this year, two next year, you have to wonder if that could be the right idea. I mean, when you think about it this way, the Dolphins, you know, they made so many draft picks last or uh, excuse not draft picks they dra- signed so many players that suited up for the team last year i think it was an nfl record 96 somewhere around there i believe so this this front office has done a lot of work and you have to wonder if in order of signing all those players moving around those pieces looking for those diamonds in the rough has kind of hurt their ability to be ahead of the game in terms of the draft i'm not saying that they weren't doing their research too, but maybe these last couple weeks, this last month or two are really going to help solidify their picks. So all of a sudden, maybe they look more, they feel more comfortable. We know what Joe Burrow is. Instead of, you know, trying to shoot a shot in the dark with pick number 18 or what is it, 24, whatever it may be, one of the, something around there. What if they, I think they might decide, hey, we'll, we'll package one next year. We still have a first next year. Send two this year because we know Burrow is the real thing. We know that we haven't done as much research as possibly as we we would have liked to here we don't want to waste the first round pick on something that could be an unknown i mean this capital was kind of brought in to build a team full of leaders full of all-stars full of pro bowlers and that's the right uh that's the right term the right game excuse me but you have to wonder if maybe they start to get those ideas of maybe joe burrow maybe we should do this just because we know it's a solidified real deal compared of you know the other possibilities might be not so we might not be so confident Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, and we know they have uh, the first pick, the 18th pick, the 26th pick. You know, 26, not, that's what it yeah, okay. yeah, you're not quite sure, you know, they need a tackle. And I think that would kind of be the biggest thing there is whether or not they would give up all three because they need to get a tackle. And you're not going to get a, you know, th- there's a pretty big distance between, you know, those top four tackles and then the rest of the class. So I think they absolutely are targeting one of those tackles based on what we've seen in free agency. But I think this all comes back to what's going on in this world. And like you said, and like we both touched on this coronavirus incident and, you know, not being able to get those face to face interviews, not getting, being able to get a real medical checkup on Tuaton Valo. I do think I heard that he might be able to do like the post combine medical rechecks that players do every year, but I don't know if that's a certainty. So they're relying on his doctors to tell them how far along or how the hip is. And we saw the videos, you know, Tua Tungvaloa looked great. He looked light years better than what we've expected, or at least what I expected right now on April 1st. But again, it comes down to certainty. And I think that every team in the NFL has certainty that Joe Burrow can be that franchise changing quarterback. So I think that's where all the smoke's coming from. But it all comes back again to what's going on in this world and them just not having all the resources that they had in years past. And, you know, it's it's going to it's going to make a difference on this year's draft. No matter what people want to say, it's going to impact the way this draft class, uh, you know, the way these teams approach these prospects and the way it ultimately plays out. Yeah. And uh, I kind of mentioned this before the show, and I like to take the, the lighthearted, humorous approach about the Dolphins being stuck in mediocrity. You think, you know, in the hunt, things like that. Uh, the Dolphins kind of thrive in that space. I mean, I just fear that. 
if this kind of draft doesn't go how Chris Greer and, and Brad Flores really want, we could get stuck in a hole where, where we go back into being mediocre. We've realized that, hey, maybe Brian Flores isn't the coach we thought he was. Maybe, you know, because I still get mentions about this today, but nobody can prove why other than I just know. So we don't know that Brian Flores is better than Adam Gase. We don't know that. You know, you think about what Gase did in his first season. You think about the contracts. You think about how he was a player's coach. You think about that, even the draft. I mean, everyone was excited about that. Um we could go into another situation like that real quick. And all of a sudden, Stephen Ross, you know, thinks back to this offseason of, hey, everything we went through, all the disasters, we'll give him a buy. We'll give him an excuse. All of a sudden, we got four or five more years into that mediocrity, and all of a sudden, we're stuck. So that's just another thing that I'm fearful of in the back of my mind that that could really start to unwrap here as the season goes or the offseason really starts to roll along. Yeah, and you, I mean, you're right, and no one really wants to hear that because we saw what Brian Flores did, and you mentioned it earlier with all those the overturns on the offensive line, you know, the different players they brought in each week that they just threw out there, you know, the different cornerbacks that they signed off the team's practice squads, they were playing that next week. So the Dolphins, you know, we talked about Jeff Ireland in the past and his acorns. They've done an extensive job trying to bring in these acorns and get some of these low-risk, high-reward signings, some of these you know, the Island of Misfit Toys, you know, they're bringing in all these different pieces that other teams that might not have worked out other teams and trying to rebuild them. And you saw it with the free agents. Some of these guys are, are, you know, a, a Ted Karras and, you know, Lennon Roberts, some of those guys, they got those one, one year deals that, you know, they could outperform that real easy and be stuck and be a part of the Dolphins future, just like an Eric Rowe. But I think a lot of Dolphin fans don't want to admit it, but we all were excited about Adam Gase and you got to kind of, sit back and relax and let things unfold because again, we're talking about these draft picks. If they miss on any of them, it could, you know, turn this thing into a downward spiral. I do think Brian Flores is the coach. I mean, you just see the fire, the passion, you hear the way the free agents, the players on the roster. I mean, we've heard it with Adam Gase, but it just seems different. And you saw him go out there and win five games with an XFL roster, but we're Dolphin fans. And the cold hard truth is no one truly knows. And we've been burned in the past. So, as much as we want to anoint him the next, you know, great thing, it, you're right. we got to just kind of temper expectations and especially let this draft play out because we talked about this being the most important offseason in Dolphins history. We are now entering the most important draft in Dolphins history. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing, too. Like, I'm not saying that Brian Flores is Adam Gates. I'm just saying, you know, the, the jury's still out. It's been just one year. I mean, you talk about giving quarterbacks time. Uh, coaches most certainly need it, too. I just wanted to kind of throw it out there. I do agree. I think Flores is the guy I, I – you know, kind of back up everything you just said. Uh, but there were those, you know, things we were confident about Gase, and I just keep wanting to kind of remind people that that, that is a possibility. Uh, you know, I've been kind of, like, looking at the roster. I'll see a tweet here and there. And to you, Josh, does it seem like every day that goes by, the Dolphins are less likely to save or trade Xavier Howard? Yeah, it does. And, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing to me was the I, – I know he was asked about it, but Byron Jones made sure to talk about, you know, how – him opposite of Xavier Howard is going to completely change that defense and make it more more difficult for quarterbacks to to pick his poison on who they're throwing the ball at. So, I mean, I, I still am not sure that I can sit here and confidently say Xavier Howard will be part of that opening day roster. But, you know, it's it's seeming more likely as the days go on. We saw the Instagram video that he posted of his rehab. You know, there was lots of Dolphins. Uh, there were lots of Dolphins logos. And, you know, he was talking about his – I forget how he, he worded it, but, you know, road recovery or whatever it was – He's he's going to, to work hard to get back to where he was. I think he'll be a Miami Dolphin, but you can't really overlook. I think even Armando or, or one of the beat writers today floated out an Xavier Howard thing that 
maybe it was a hypothetical to move up for Burrow. I didn't see it personally, but I see it being talked about, like you said, on Twitter. So, I mean, he it has to be con- a consideration, especially when you brought in Byron Jones. How often do two teams pay those high-priced defensive backs? I don't think they've ever had, you know, two of the top, what, three defensive backs in the NFL on the same roster. So mm-hmm. it, I, I don't know. But I do think the Dolphins are revolutionizing that defense. And if you have those two bookends, tr- you know, making life difficult for the, the quarterback, that pass rush doesn't need to need to be as good. You know, those linebackers don't need to be as good. You know, it makes up for some of those discrepancies that they might have. So I can't sit here and com- confidently say Xavier Howard will be on the opening day roster, but I can't sit here and say he's going to be traded either. Right. I, I completely agree. And it just seems like, I don't know, it just, you start to see them, their names next to each other more and more. And it looks kind of, it seems a little more solidified. And I think it's important to keep in mind that, um, just because you had two great cornerbacks doesn't mean one's not going to be beat once in a while. So all of a sudden, the, the both the ceiling and the floor for both of these guys change. Uh, when you look at someone like Xavier Howard, say he's the number two cornerback now. And, you know, obviously he's fighting against number two wide receivers. But there are going to be plays that are designed to, you know, just beat a single cornerback. I mean, the offensive coordinators have the, the craziest tricks in the world. I mean, the, the things they can kind of put together. And I think that's just important to keep in mind, too. You think about Oakland. Uh, I want to say 2011, 2010, uh, Nambi Asamoah, I remember. Um, Oakland, he was a great cornerback. He went to Philly, and he was awful. You know, I, I don't remember how long he stayed on the team, but I remember he didn't have the same uh, level of play. But a lot of that came because nobody was throwing at him because he was their most uh, their, their most talented wide receiver, or cornerback, excuse me. So they were just throwing away from him, throwing away from him. Now when you have two guys like this, you can't throw away from them. You have to throw at them. So I think it's important to keep in mind as we look at, hey, a defensive backfield both these guys one might get beat once in a while but but that's only part of the game I, I don't think that can really take away from the contracts or when we start to say hey this is a horrible idea I don't think that's the right way to approach it I know that's not really something I think you would go after but but I just think that's an important topic to kind of throw out there that people are still going to catch balls against the Dolphins they're not going to go quarterbacks are going to go over 23 you know it, it's about making the tackle from a seven yard gain to a 15 yard gain things like that that aren't really as noticeable until you really see a player in a different situation. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, Namdi Asima, like you said, he was great in Oakland. I think he went to Philly and just kind of busted. And he was that high-priced free agent, you know, that big signing. Even Revis to an extent. You know, his early seasons there with the Jets, and I think he even bounced around with them. He was all over the place, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he he kind of teetered. I do think Byron Jones is the real deal. I think he's, what, in his second season – at corner, he was a safety that kind of, uh, you know, moved down the corner and just kind of became this lockdown, probably one of the best, if not the best, lockdown corner in the NFL. How he plays in, in Flores' defense, how that affects those other guys, you're right. No team is going to go out there and not be able to throw the football. You know, there's still going to be those, um, you know, those areas of weakness in the secondary. They need to get a safety for sure in the draft. You know, what do they do with Bobby McCain, who's better suited at nickel? I mean, he wasn't that good at safety. I think they should move back to nickel, but who knows? Nick Needham, you know, he had a great rookie season, but he was really the only other guy out there, you know? So compared to some of them other defensive backs, of course he had a good season, you know? So uh, it's going to be interesting to see the way it plays out, but you're right. You know, this defense isn't going to be, uh, you know, bulletproof. There's still going to be ways to beat them, and that's what they've got to make up for here in the draft. And it ultimately comes back down to scheme. And Brian Flores, you know, he comes from that New England tree. 
They like to play that attacking man defense. I think they got the right pieces on the outside there. Now you got to try to fill in some of that back end, and and good things should come. But you're right. No one knows how he's going to play until you know they go out there and they bring it all together. Um, speaking of, you know, we haven't had a lot of time to you know watch even other sports. Who's the free agent you're most excited to see in a Dolphins uniform? I mean, I've seen you, you know, put, cut up clips of literally everyone. Who's one? Who's the one you're most jacked up about when you watch their film? Yeah, and you're, you're right. I've been trying to keep up with it because they signed so many players. It's been hard. But I think for me, it's Kyle Van Noy. And, you know, I've got to listen to the transcripts and sit in on that Zoom, listening to these players talk. And while they all said the right things and, and talked and gushed about Brian Flores and the rest of the Dolphins staff, it was Kyle Van Noy that just seemed like a true, genuine human. You see him going out there. He's playing video games on Twitch, you know, but he kind of made it a point to say, you know, guys, be safe. You know, I hope to someday shake your hand, you know, when this thing passes through. He just seemed like a genuine person. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me was he said he doesn't want to be labeled a defensive end. He doesn't want to be labeled a linebacker. He's a football player, and you see that in his tape. He played <laughs> all over New England's defense. You know, he was, I think, a sixth-round pick with Detroit. You know, didn't really do much. Worked his way in New England, became this player that, you know, when you think about those New England defenses, you know the Hightowers, you know the Gilmers, you know some of those other players, but Kyle Van Noy is that consistent there that you just see all over the film and all over the field. You know, he's doing everything, and I think that's going to be exciting to watch because when you pair him alongside Jerome Baker, you know, Raquan McMillan, you got some of those other pieces. You got Vince Beagle, you got AVG, you know, there's different pieces here that – could make this defense special. So for me, Kyle Van Noy adding him to Brian Flores' defense where he already had success. You saw him take over the game in the AFC Championship game. That's the video that I cut up. The guy's good. And just to hear that he's the, the same kind of player off the field, it got me excited. And I think that that – obviously, Byron Jones is up there. You know, Shaq Lawson, the guy I loved, is up there. But for me, Kyle Van Noy, he surprised me with the way he carried himself. And I'm excited to see the way he fits again in Miami in a Brian Flores defense playing all over. Man, and that, that just, you know, the way he carries himself, that leadership, is going to be so great for uh, players like Raquan McMillan and Jerome Baker, just to kind of see or walk the walk and talk the talk. And, you know, you bring up, uh, it seems like the C word, you know, the, the culture here is really starting to uh, show itself for, for what type of players these guys are. I mean, I think every team wants this i think every team wants the hard workers but it really seems like the dolphins are doing a good job of putting that together uh josh let, let's wrap things up here i have one more question here i want to ask you um i think it was football outsiders it seems like everybody has their own model for rating you know whether it's nfl players or college players they rated um jonathan taylor as the highest rated rookie uh, or college running back coming out ever and they compared them to Saquon Barkley and LaDainian Tomlinson. Now, take that for what it is, as dramatic it might be, as maybe over the top it could be. But to me, it seems like I if he was there, because they were talking him dropping to late in the first round, if he's there at 18, I know left tackle is a big thing, but you think about getting your quarterback, say, you know, say they take Tua, say they take Herbert, you get your running back there and someone like Jonathan Taylor, is that something you would be happy with, hearing those type of reviews of what they think Jonathan Taylor might be able to become wow that's that's high praise because i mean yeah that i mean that's that's crazy i i still feel that you know it still depends on what they do at quarterback obviously if they have to trade one of those picks to move up whether it be for a borough i i don't think that's gonna happen if it's for Tua, whatever it is you know i think at 18 they gotta sit there and they gotta take an offensive tackle 
Would I be upset if Jonathan Taylor ended up a Dolphin? Absolutely not. But I think in this running back class, you know, there's J.K. Dobbins, there's Cam Akers. Some people have DeAndre Swift ranked as their number one. You know, there's C.E.H. from uh, from LSU, the, Zach Moss. The list goes on and on of all the running backs that I do believe have the potential to be starters in the NFL. The biggest thing with me for Jonathan Taylor is, you know, three seasons at Wisconsin, 926 carries. 926 carries. That is huge. I mean, yes, he rushed for 6,174 yards, 50 touchdowns, but 926 carries. That's a lot of tread on those tires. Again, I do think he is probably the, for me personally, he's probably the most explosive back in this class besides J.K. Dobbins. So I just have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm infatuated with him. But would I be upset at 18? I probably would just because of the value and, you know, the way I hope the rest of this draft falls. To take a running back at 18, it would hurt a little bit. 26, if he's there at 26, I could live with that. But at 18, I, I'd feel a certain type of way. But to hear that they graded him that high, and, I mean, they do the work, and who can argue with what they say? But, I mean, if if you're comparing it to Squam Barkley, which, I mean, who's to say isn't? That's that's high praise. But for me, the tread would be a little bit alarming. And just knowing that the West, rest of this draft class, the way it seems to shape up, at least at running back, to me, uh, it would be hard to pill to swallow there at 18. All right, so it wasn't the Football Outsiders. I will have to get back with you next week about who exactly said it, but there was somebody. There was a, a really strong website who did come out and say this, so I think that is uh, worth coming back to, and, and and maybe next week before the draft we'll, de- we'll definitely look at that. Josh, I, I think that is really all I have for you. It's kind of a light week. We have gotten a chance to meet some of the Dolphins, uh, new Dolphin players, which has been exciting. But, I mean, it it's, is a slow time. This is kind of a, a truck to the draft. And then it, it's going to be another slow time until hopefully, you know, training camp begins because I don't, I'm pretty confident we're not going to be having any uh, mini camps anytime soon. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. And in the next few weeks, I did reach out to a few analysts from other websites, you know, Dalton Miller covers the uh, the Cowboys. Brian from over at Pat's uh, Pulpit covers pa- the Patriots. I mean, I reached out to those guys to maybe come on the podcast and talk about some of these free agents that the Dolphins acquired. So we'll definitely do that leading up to the draft. And I think you and I have plans to, you know, do our own little mock draft, whether it be a first round or maybe we go all seven. Maybe we use Pro Football Network's awesome mock draft simulator. And we sit here and we kind of go through our picks and, you know, we debate a little bit and, and do that leading up to the draft. But we have a lot of good things in store for you. It is April 1st. We are 22 days away from the NFL draft. It'll be here before you know it. But again, the biggest thing is stay inside. You know, talk to your family through FaceTime, through Skype, through other outlets. Do not put anybody at risk. Social distancing is the only way that things are going to get better and the only way that we're going to have football. And at the end of the day, you know, this is a Dolphins podcast. There's so much more to life than football, but it all comes back down to, you know, uh, we're here to talk about the Miami Dolphins. And there's not going to be any Miami Dolphins or any other NFL talk if things don't get better. So just tell your tell your family, love them, but do it from a distance. Absolutely, absolutely. If you want to come. Continue the conversation. If you want to yell at us, you can find me on Twitter at jmendel94. Houts, simply enough, Houts. Thank you for making that one easy. Josh, it was great taking a little break with you uh, to talk a little football here. Yeah, man. Enjoy the rest of your day and be safe. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins.